Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Father, in all sincerity, I do humble myself before you, Father. And I thank you for the, your word that speaks. And dear Lord, as we just listen to your word tonight, I pray that it would change our lives, it would challenge us, it would equip us, and we'd leave encouraged tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I'm, uh, I've been asked to preach on the subjects of personal prayer. And um, um, my text tonight is taken from the first book of Samuel. So if you'd like to follow... I'm going to read a chunk of scripture, <clears throat> and um, we'll take it from there. Okay, so the first book of Samuel, chapter 1, and starting at verse 1. And forgive me for these jolly old names that I'm not going to pronounce very well, but uh, there we go. Now, there was a certain man of uh, Rathaim Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elu, the son of Johu, the son of Juf, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city year, yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb." And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to Hannah, Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why do you, in your heart do you grieve? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose up after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat at the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said to the Lord of hosts, If you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but you will give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come near his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, but no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, 
but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaints and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. Hallelujah. What a wonderful end to an absolutely terrible situation that Hannah found herself in. You know, looking at this story, it's a story of a broken woman. Panina, her, her uh, rival, provoked her. I mean, isn't that just absolutely terrible? The poor lady, in that society, in that age, it was a, a disgrace to a husband not to be able to conceive. He actually had the, the legal grounds to divorce her. That's shocking, isn't it? And all of this woman's life, you know, looking at Penina, her rival, the Bible says that she had sons and daughters. As they grew up together, uh, Hannah would be watching the children playing, constant reminder of the fact that she couldn't conceive an outcast in society, depressed. She was in anguish, a really, really difficult situation. But that dissatisfaction in her spirit did a marvelous thing. It urged her to break out one evening from the family gathering, to go to the tabernacle and boldly put herself before Eli the priest. Hallelujah. What a, what a marvelous thing to do. Because it was there in the front of Eli as she was pouring out her heart to God. And Eli mis misinterpreted her, her voicing her prayer silently for the fact that she was drunk. But then Eli, when he found out that she was praying from her heart, said, May your request be granted. And how many of you know when a prophet speaks, that's God. And God honors his words spoken through the prophet. And Hannah knew that. At that point, she said, that's it. And she went home. She relaxed. She ate. And with great faith, she waited with expectation. And look what happened in the process of time. She goes home. Her husband knew her. And in the process of time, she conceived and out of that experience, one of the greatest prophets in history was born. Amazing. All of this woman's life, she was in a desperate situation, broken, constantly in that dreadful place of feeling she can't conceive. An outcast in society, depressed. Year by year, as she went up to the temple, she would weep. And if that wasn't bad enough, Penina could call her something, couldn't you? You know? What a snake. You know, 
goodness me, just rubbing it in. You can't, you can't conceive. You're a disgrace to the family. I'm surprised he hasn't divorced you by now. And she wept. She was in a bad place. But look what happened. Look what God did. God, in his grace and mercy, heard her prayer, answered her prayer. Didn't just give her a son, did he? Gave her a prophet. Prophet to the nations. Absolutely wonderful. I love that. But, you know, looking at our own lives as Christians, I wonder how it is for you and how it's been for you in your life and what you're facing or what you may be even facing at this point. I wonder, you know, in the quiet place, out of the public eye, what you're trusting God for, what you're, what is, maybe there's something in your life like Hannah that you are calling out to God for. You know, often enough, these things go on for years, don't they? Maybe nobody knows anything about it. Difficult situation at home, nobody knows about. Maybe, you know, you've been praying for your husband, for your wife to get saved for years. No sign of it. They, uh, uh, you know, don't approve you going to church, huff, puff, groan, moan, whenever you're praying or reading the Bible. It can be tough, can't it? It can go on for years. Let me encourage you, whatever you're trusting God for, whatever difficulty you might be in, there is a God in heaven who is able to do what no man can do. All the self-effort, all the human effort which goes into try and do a gym or fix it comes to nothing, doesn't it? But Matthew 19.26 says this, With God, all things are possible. All things. But I don't know about you, you know, I've gone through one or two areas like that in my life. And what I've found is as time goes on, as we pray and we don't see the answers to prayer, we can get discouraged, can't we? And we can actually give up our faith. We might start off strong and say, yeah, I'm going to trust God. This is great. God's amazing. Nothing's impossible to God. I'm going to trust it. I'm not going to let go of this. And six months later, a year later, 10 years later, we're still in that same place. We don't see any change on the outside. And we can give up, can't we? Very easily. And I just want to encourage each one of you here tonight, if, if you're in that place where you're trusting God for something, it might be a healing that has never taken place. With God... All things are possible. Amen? I was wifeless for 57 years. 57 years is a sentence. I got born again at 27 years, and I started praying for a wife. I didn't have a very good impression of marriage. And when I read all the guidelines in the Bible, I thought, woohoo! Hallelujah. And I started praying. I don't know how old my wife was at that point when I started praying. She's probably just been conceived. Hallelujah. I think you were seven, love, when I got born again. <laughs> but you know what? With God, all things are possible. At 40 years old, my previous church put me on the shelf to collect dust. They said, you'll never get married. 
had some lovely Christian girlfriends. God never gave me peace. I never got married. I gave up. But there was a longing in my heart to share my life with someone that loved God. Amen. And you know what? I pushed. At 57, I thought, hang about a minute. If I don't do something about this, this, isn't gonna, this ain't going to happen. I've got layers of dust on me by that time. I dusted myself down. I read a scripture in Joel, Joel 2.25, and it says this. I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Oh, boy. Only God can make outrageous statements like that and back them up, isn't it? He is able. With God, all things are possible. And I began to pray. I wrote the scripture on, the, on a piece of A4. I sellotaped it on my parents' bathroom wall because I was staying with my parents at the time. It's still there today, actually, nine years later. And what I understood is this, and get this. As I began to put faith in God's word for something which wasn't anywhere near my horizon, as I began to trust God for a wife, and when I'm, when I'm saying a wife, I wanted a godly woman. I didn't want a wishy-washy wife. That was, I wanted someone that was going to stand by me and encourage me. Do you know what I mean? Someone I could encourage. Someone that cared about, someone that had a call on their life. Someone that I could share my, the joy of. And God gave me more than I asked for. Hallelujah. My wife's very prophetic, actually. To listen to what she says. But as I began to trust God, looking back now, I realized as soon as I operated faith in God's word, the big cogs in heaven began to turn. Hallelujah. And God began to orchestrate a situation where my wife, who was working for a Muslim family somewhere in Turkey, out of the blue, invited her to come on holiday with them to a little village called Bodrum in Turkey. I wanted to go across to Greece, because I love Greek and all the food and the music, and it's a lovely environment. I didn't want to go to Turkey. But the holiday was fully booked. The only place on the planet I could go with this Christian company was Bodrum in Turkey. And as, as they do on a Sunday morning, we went to a local church to support a local pastor in this in this Muslim country. And again, out of character, this Muslim woman that my wife was working for, when she asked if she could go to church, let her go. And we met in church. And looking back, I could see that as I prayed, and I prayed for six months, and I didn't let go. I said, Lord, your word says, you will restore the years the locusts have eaten. And I'm going to believe you. You've got a problem here because I'm not going to let go of this. I want a godly woman. I want someone that I can do mission with. I want someone that loves you and someone that I can, I can live my life with. And by the way, I want kids. Lots of them. <laughs> Careful what you pray. <laughs> Hallelujah. And God did it. But let me tell you this. What I've noticed in my Christian walk is as many people like Hannah go through difficulties and circumstances in life and they're all encouraged and they might stand on God's word and they might start off well, but they are bought before they receive the promise. In James it says, don't be double-minded. 
like a piece of wood tossed backwards and forwards on the ocean because you're not going to get anything. I thought, my God, you know, as much as it depends on me, I'm going to stand on God's word until I see his promise come to pass. And his answer isn't always yes, is it? Amen? Sometimes it's no. But if it's a no, hallelujah, because he's got something better. You understand? I'm a slow learner in life. I really am. I've always been a slow learner. But, I, you know, I, eventually I get it. And when he says no, I've learned to rejoice. That, that's a big step for, for anyone, really, because humanly speaking, we get upset and sulk and spit our dummy out sometimes, don't we? Or, so, or maybe I do sometimes. But God honors faith. Hallelujah. And by standing on God's word and continuing to do that, God fulfills his promise. Sometimes it's wait, and most of the time it's wait, isn't it? You know, you know being, being very simple about it, you're not going to conceive a baby one night and give birth to it the next day, are you? It doesn't work like that. There is a waiting period. But it's during this waiting period that our, stre- our faith is stretched. Amen? And that's where we've got to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you for this, and I'm not going to let go. And let me tell you this. When you receive the promise, like Hannah, that something wonderful happens. So whatever situation you're facing right now, at home, work, Maybe you're the breadwinner in the family and you've not got a job and you can't get a job. That's a tough place to be. Maybe in a marriage where one person isn't a Christian yet or you haven't seen your children come through or you're waiting for a husband or a wife and there's nothing on the horizon. (laughs) You don't need to worry about that. Your job's to stay in faith. God's job is to figure how he's going to do it. And he's a master at that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So be encouraged. Do not abort before you receive the promise. Many people give up. I look at areas of my life where I was trusting God for healing. I thought if I'd given up, I probably wouldn't be healed now. I'm serious. There's just another point I wanted to bring from personal prayer tonight. And, uh, you know, this dissatisfaction... Hannah was totally and utterly depressed and dissatisfied with her situation. And that can come across in lots of different ways in our lives as Christians. And being dissatisfied with something, I would suggest, is sometimes a really good thing. Because that springboards you into action. Amen? Me, as a Christian... It took me a few years to get my head around the fact that I was forgiven, actually. I had two years, really difficult years, my first few years, and just believing that God had forgiven me, that he got a place in heaven. You know, I, I, wasn't, a, um, I wasn't a, you know, mass murderer or, you know, anything like that. But, but there was some part of me that just, just couldn't grasp the fact that I was forgiven. And eventually, as I called out to God one night, God gave me a scripture. I looked at the word, and there it was. 
fear not. I have redeemed you. God's word is, is marvelous, isn't it? But shortly after that, I grasped the fact I was forgiven. Okay, that's great. Wonderful. And, uh, but then as I'm reading my Bible, I started to look at sickness and healing and disease and all that stuff. And I thought, this, this is really worrying me because I, I wasn't seeing much of it. In England, I came back to England a few years after I got born again. I was in Canada and New Zealand when I got born again. Came back to England, and I thought, reading the Bible, I know I'm forgiven, but hang about a minute. If God's real, and that's a big thing for me, where's all the miracles? You know, what's going on here? So this isn't adding up. I, I'm seeing lovely Christians, and we're all talking about the cross and forgiveness, and that's tremendous. But did, didn't something else happen on the cross to do with him being whipped and beaten for our, for our, by his wounds, we are healed. And I thought, what's going on? I, I don't get it. You know, I was worried about it. I was dissatisfied. And I started praying about it. And I heard of a, uh, an evangelist in South Africa going into Mozambique as, with a, an evangelistic and healing ministry. I thought, that's it. I'm going to suss this one out. And I contacted him, I booked on his team, I flew, it, flew down there, went into Mozambique, and I saw an amount of healing. That, not as much as I really wanted to and hoped for, but I saw people healed, and that was great, you know. And as time went on, I kind of thought, well, I've got a longing to see people healed, but why am I not seeing people healed? I pray for people, and I would see a bit occasionally, you know, but it's nothing really significant. And I thought, the problem definitely is not with God. God is the same yesterday as he was for always. And his power is there, isn't it? And I was baptized in the Spirit. I could pray in tongues and I would get charged up, but something wasn't, there was a dissatisfaction. There's got to be more in this Christian world. There's got, well, you know, what's it? Is it, is it dependent on me? And this is what happened, and I want to encourage you with this. So I started to seek God. I was in Mozambique at the time. I was in a beautiful place called Tofu, Inyambani. It's a diving place, beautiful shoreline, lovely, lovely place. I put myself into this hotel for three days. And, uh, you know, you hear these preachers doing this, don't they? And they draw the curtains, and they lock themselves in there, and they're not coming out until God's spoken, you know. And uh, so that's what I did. And I shut the curtains, no distractions. I thought, I've got to go deeper in my walk with God. I have to go deeper. There's got to be some answers as I go deeper. And I began to do what I called spiritual circuit training. You know, an athlete goes through great, you know, they do all kinds of training, don't they? Emma and our lads are into football, and they're out there training and you know, running a bit more and doing a bit faster and more push-ups and more press-ups and they're getting fit. And spiritually, I thought, I've got to exercise my spiritual muscles. So I started doing what I call spiritual circuit training. I thought, well, how do I, get, how do I go beyond where I'm at now? I thought, well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to read my Bible for 15 minutes. I'm going to pray in tongues for 15 minutes. And I'm going to worship God for 15 minutes. I'm going to do 45 minutes on, 15 minutes off, and I'm going to do sets like that. And it was a stretch. And if you tried speaking in tongues for five minutes, it's quite a long time. And I made myself do it. 
I, worshiping God was great, you know, and, and um, reading my Bible was great. Praying in the Spirit for that length of time was quite a challenge. And I did my 45 minutes, and I went outside. I had an orange juice. I wandered around. Got right back into my hotel room. I did three sets that morning, right? I thought, here we go now. Something's going to happen. I went out onto the marketplace, and I learned two, two sentences in the local language, um, if I can remember what they were. Um, <laughs> I didn't learn them very well, did I? Uh, no, it was um, kunimunu vabjakalani, which is shitswa for, is there anyone sick here? And when everybody put their hands up and said, yeah, we're all sick, because they're all sick of something, you know, I then learned my other line, which was, Niku Kongalela Shana K, which means, can I pray for you? And uh, yeah, it was great. I found all these sick people, and I prayed for them with my renewed, God is going to do something now. I've been in his presence, and I'm filled, and got, you know, blah, 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 and absolutely nothing happened. Not discouraged, I thought, well, back in my hotel room. Second day, 15 minutes, 45 on, 50 and off, blah, 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 blah. That afternoon, I noticed that I was kind of, you know, I would get a dream in the night, and I would, I would sense things. I would sense God speaking to me a bit clearer, and I was discerning things. I went out onto the marketplace, and it all began to happen. Oh, boy, the desire of my heart, the dream to see people healed and delivered. And it started off with one or two. You know, and I would sense that there was something behind the sickness that I just took a simple authority, and boom, they got healed. And the highlight for me, really, during that time was I saw a whole group of people healed at once. And one of my friends in that little village that said, the local people are saying, who's this crazy white man going around healing everyone? And I just spent two days. I, but what I'd done was I'd... I'd gone beyond where I'd been before in my personal walk. And what I've come to realize since then is this. There's a few challenges. Uh, one of the huge benefits of, of going deeper in God is you develop a, a, a fresh hunger for God. Because when you've got into that place, your spiritual appetite increases. And there's a dissatisfaction when you're not as close to God as you have just been. So there's that. That really helps. And then all these self-helps. I was thinking, you know, you've got all these seminars on how to evangelize and uh, how to break a, a besetting sin and, and how to hear God and, you know, all this lot. And what I've come to realize is if forget all that, you know, <laughs> just, just put some time aside and get deeper with God and evangelism happens, you lose the appetite for sin, you start to hear God, prophecy begins to flow. And, you know, I think sometimes we look at it from maybe the wrong angle. And what I've found is so long as I put myself in the zone, make the time, make it a priority to seek God, everything else flows. Is it uh, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, all this stuff will, I'm nearly done. And um, yeah, so what does that actually look like in our own lives? You know, how do we 
grow because what I've come to realize is, is prayer is like oxygen for the believer. Without it, we struggle. We're going to die. And, you know, you wouldn't be here tonight if you didn't have a relationship with God or you, you're not having a, you're actively seeking God. I love this church because I see a lot of people who are actively serving God and moving forward. And that encourages me. I want to be part of a church that is moving forward and doing this stuff. And I look at people and I think, wow, look at the God's gift in that person. And I'm using it. And it's, it's wonderful, isn't it? But how do we go deeper? Because, you know, our old pastor used to say, there's no dress rehearsals for life. You know, this, we've got one go at it. Let, let's really make it count. For me in my life, how, 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 do I, how do I, you know, somehow get a consistency in going deeper with God? Because I'm at the busiest time of my life. Just when I was thinking of retiring, you know, God answered my prayer. Brought my lovely wife and my fantastic kids, and I love it. It's a dream come true. But I'm, I'm more busy now than I've ever been in my life. I've got to be super, super careful I don't get overtired. I love working. Many of the times, Jimmy and I, we're out the door at 7 in the morning sometimes. We're not back till 7 at night sometimes. We do physical work, tree work, paving, patios, building work. It's hard work. I love it. But I can get very tired. I come home and there's family time and all the rest of it. And I like to get up early. So one of the very, very simple things that I think we can do is Get to bed early. If you're going to go deeper with God, there has to be a time, no matter how busy you are, that you make time, isn't it? And for me, that happens at around 10 o'clock at night. You know, if I go to 11 o'clock at night, I'm an early night person, right? <laughs> I go to bed early. That's what I like to do. And then I can get up early. I can get up at 6. I can pray before I go to work at 7 or whatever. I've got time to do that. But if I go to bed a little bit later, or, or we're happening to watch the gold program on the television and they're prospecting and all that exciting stuff in some of the countries we've traveled in, you know, I can get dragged along to that and I think, oh, no, I should be in bed now. You know, I'm going to struggle getting up in the morning. So what does it look like for you? What, what kind of space are you going to have to make if you're going to, because you can't rush this stuff, can you? You know, you ha it's quality time with God. I want to suggest what, whatever you're doing now, if you want to grow in God, if you want to go to the next level, and I feel, you know, as a church, it's a really good thing to do. Every one of us as Christians, we need to be moving forward, don't we? Going to the next level because that's where the field of dreams is, you know? That's when we hear God. That's where deliverance happens. Um, can I finish with one quick testimony? I'm probably over time just now, am I? Uh, because the flesh, the flesh is against this stuff, isn't it? You know, the flesh is lazy. The flesh doesn't want to get up early. I mean, I have to drag myself out of bed sometimes. I think, you know what? I want to see God in my life today. And even just praying for five minutes in tongues, I see God do something that day. I do. I think, wow. That was a result of me praying in the Spirit. I don't know what I'm praying for sometimes at the time, but afterwards, I see it, and I think that's exciting. That's just five minutes, quality time. But here's an example of the flesh kicking in and the, um, 
and, and the benefit of perhaps being filled with the Spirit, because God uses prepared people, doesn't he? As we develop that closer walk with God, God brings new opportunities across our path, doesn't he? And uh, as I went back to Uganda just this last time, my wife had been out there 14 weeks. I'd been looking after the kids in England, or they'd been looking after me. It was one or the other. And I was tired, eh? And uh, I got on the plane. I had a totally sleepless night on the plane going out there. Then a three-hour car journey. I got there 24 hours after I left here. I was shattered. I got to bed, and I, was, I woke up in the morning, and I, for the first time, I was just really relaxed. I had the opportunity to have a rest, and I was just resting. It got to about 8 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock, and I was, that's a long lie for me. And my wife comes in, and she says, Love, someone's just come for prayer. And I thought, great, tell them to go away again. Because right now, this is the first time in my, seemed like my life, that I had the opportunity to lie in bed. How dare they turn up on our property when I'm having a rest? And the flesh kicked right in. I was not happy. I was so disappointed. I was just longing to have, I needed a rest. Do you know, God, I need a rest? No, this person's come for prayer. Come on, love, you need to get up. Oh, dear me. And, you know, I don't like to stay in that ruffled state for long. It's, no one does, do they? Say, so come on, Houston, get your trousers on, get going, you know, wash your face, get out there. T half an hour later, this young lad who traveled three hours and heard that my wife, you come to see my wife, not me, because she's really the prayer warrior. She should be preaching here tonight. And, uh, you know, he got born again. He got baptized in the Spirit that was incidental to what he'd come for prayer for, you know. And we were rejoicing. We were happy. We were excited. And as we gave them a little push, which is what we do in Uganda, that means you accompany them to the gate, not necessarily to make sure they leave, but just as, a, as an, an act of, you know, decency. We let them go out the gate, and we were just saying goodbye. And 20 meters down the track... I saw the most horrendous-looking demonic figure standing there staring at us. My wife said, oh, my God, what are we looking at? And it was a, it was a human being, slightly disfigured face, torn clothes, all covered in mud, and this person was just stood there looking at us. And in the spirit, I could feel the power of God around me, but I could feel this incredible dark force exuded from them. And our first reaction was, get out of here, you know, shut the steel gate, lock it, bolt it. You know, the neighbors later said they'd been, she'd been hurling rocks at people locally with sticks and everything. And something inside said to me, how she found this place where we live, I don't know, because you've got to know where you're going to find where we are. We're way out down the little track somewhere, off a corner, around here, up there. And it's like the Spirit said to me, pray for them. And I had to overcome a lot of fear, because I could feel this strong demonic, and it, this figure, oh my God, is this a human being or what? 
And we both encouraged each other. I said, come on, we're going to pray for this person. You know, we went there. And we'd been around church for a long time. This wasn't something new, but there's something here. This was another level, you understand. And uh, what was wonderful at the end of it all? Well, no, I should carry on with my story. I'll just finish it. So we approached this person beaten up, covered in red clay, torn clothes, disfigured face, you know, just e a picture of evil. And uh, we said, hello, you know, how are you, blah, 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 and, you know, and out of the shell of a demon came this beautiful lady's voice. I thought, my God, there's a there's a lovely human being inside here, and we've got to pray for this lady. You know, I, this is beyond us here. This is another level. And we said, you know, have you, she told us a little bit about her situation. I said, look, we haven't got much time here. Can we pray for you? She let us pray for her. We led her to the Lord, and then I think afterwards we, we, we somehow, yeah, we invited the Holy Spirit. That's what it was. And I don't know if you've ever been in a church situation. We get a lot of it in Africa where, where people are involved in all kinds of witchcraft and heavy-duty demonic stuff, and they come to church. And when we're preaching, there's a massive reaction, you know? And as we invited the Holy Spirit, this lady, it was like a massive big spiritual firework display. You know, she was... She was all over the place, and we prayed for her, and we lay, well, yeah, we didn't lay hands on her immediately. We prayed for her, and after some time, this lady came to her senses, and we took her into our compound. We, my wife bathed her. We dressed her. We fed her, and later, we took her down to the police station in the town where, where um, they were going to try and find out where she'd come from. But the, the, the point of my story is this, is that out of a depth of relationship with God, God is able to set the captive free. He's able to bring healing, deliverance, just like Jesus with the demoniac, you know, with the legion of demons. I don't know whether I'd be able to cope with that. My wife had been, you know, sorry to spotlight you love had been praying and fasting i wonder of how many of us and i know we do as a church fast don't we but prayer and fasting is a big key to setting people free i'm going to finish now but i just want to encourage you just very quickly looking back to the life of hannah she was in a very 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 difficult situation for a long time and out of her dissatisfaction it drew her she took steps of faith, and she saw the prophet, and God answered her prayer, and boy, did he answer her prayer. If he can do it for Hannah, he can do it for you. Whatever situation you're facing in life, it might have been for years. Maybe no one knows about it. God knows about it. I want to encourage you. Do not abort until you've seen God speak to you, God give you direction, God answer your prayer. And how about going deeper in God? I wonder where you're, what, what, what adjustments might you need to make in your life in terms of, you know, making space for God? Because uh, 
Once you've gone to some depth, the Bible says deep calls to deep, doesn't it? Once you've gone to those depths, nothing else really satisfies, but everything flows out of it. And the, my final encouragement is that, uh, you know, God wants to take us to another level. And, um, you know, rather like our thrilling encounter with this poor lady, you know, I believe it was through my wife's spiritual preparation and, uh, and uh, you know, God's power, of course, inviting the Holy Spirit that uh, this lady managed to get uh, a massive amount of freedom. So thank you so much for listening, and uh, may God bless you. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.